thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And this week in wellness, a new Dutch study has shown that 60% of a baby's microbiome is inherited from their mother. And that whilst babies born via cesarean section receive less gut and vaginal microbes, this may at least be in part made up for by a higher percentage of microbes from mum's breast milk, skin and respiratory system. The study published in Cell, Host and Microbe looked at 120 Dutch mothers and their babies and was reported to be the first to track multiple colonies of microbes in both mothers and babies. We wanted to have a better idea of how the infant microbiome develops in different parts of their bodies and how it's influenced by factors such as birth mode, antibiotic use and lack of breastfeeding. Wouter de Stoenhuizen-Peters, physician and data scientist at the University Medical Center Utrecht in Netherlands said, Researchers in the study took samples from the baby's skin, nose, saliva and gut at two hours after birth, one day, one week, two weeks and one month. They also took samples from the mum's skin, breast milk, nose, throat, fecal matter and vagina. Whilst it was unclear which specific microbes were delivered via breast milk, Dr. De Stoenhuizen-Peters said the findings suggest there are alternative and compensatory routes to seed the microbiomes of babies that missed out on gut and vaginal flora when they were born. Whilst acknowledging they can't say whether giving breast milk will fully compensate for the lack of gut or vaginal microbes. Imad El Omar, director of the Union of New South Wales Microbiome Research Centre, said that the most important message coming out of it would be the compensation that occurs despite of the mode of delivery. He said, I always get asked this question. I've had a caesarean section. Is my baby doomed? That's not the case at all. The beauty of the microbiome is you can change it. There's plenty of stuff you can do to protect that baby for the future. Going on to say that we should be really paying a lot of attention to what we feed our babies and children moving forward. You've got three years to try and get the most healthy and diverse microbiome. Lisa Stinson, a reproductive biologist and molecular microbiologist at the University of Western Australia said, the study also highlighted the importance of mum as the number one source of microbes for their baby and the need to protect her microbiome during the critical period. She went on to say that if we give her antibiotics during that really critical period, that will have an impact on the infant microbiome. Adding that she believed giving antibiotics during delivery has more of an effect on the baby's gut flora than the method of birth itself. This Dutch study will continue to follow the mothers and babies for the next five years. And as always, the links are in the show notes. My opinion on this is, first of all, it's going to be fascinating to follow this over the next five years and see what the ramifications are. Is the missing out on the vaginal and gut bacteria from the natural birthing process overcome by the sources of bacteria from other means? And does that then have an impact on the negative consequences of poor gut health and gut microbiota for those babies in terms of things like asthma and allergies later on in life. It also causes us to question whether we're overstating this, trying to appease nervous mothers and justifying birthing behaviors. You know, we're, we're saying here that we really don't know whether the bacteria they're getting from sources other than the vagina and the gut of the mother, whether it is in fact the same bacteria, whether it is having the same effect. So I think some of the comments made in this article might be overstating what we know at this stage and then we might need to hit pause on that a little bit whilst we see what the actual effects are of these different modes of delivery on the gut microbiome going forwards and what the health consequences of those different birthing behaviors are once again this is not to 
criticize any of those particular birthing behaviors. You know, I think there's a time and a place for all of those. And it's just really important that we're really honest with ourselves about the risk of those and the consequences of those so that we can make really informed decisions about which, which route our mothers and babies want to go down so that they can make the best decision for themselves of what's right for them. You know, I think there's no doubt there's been times in recent times and research would suggest this where perhaps we've overdone it in terms of birthing interventions and, and maybe there's a time there to pull back and say maybe we just need to let the, the process happen a little bit more and maybe that might be better for the microbiome of both the mum and the baby. But once again, you know, this study is going to continue over the next five years so we're going to find out what the real story is there and how much impact it does actually have both on the baby's microbiome and also on the baby's health. You know, it also brings into question the issue of seeding the microbiome. You know, we have seen that starting to come in more and more now where where mothers who haven't been able to have a vaginal delivery might be seeding the baby's microbiome from their vagina in order to pass on those bacteria that they don't necessarily get from the cesarean process or they don't get from the cesarean birthing process. And so it would be interesting to throw that into this equation and to see, you know, what difference there is between a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth where the baby is seated versus a cesarean birth where the baby wasn't seated and see what sort of difference that makes as well. You know, it also raises the question of whether that microbiome that the baby gets from the mother in those first 30 days of life, you know, whether that can be replaced as the baby gets older. You know, we're now seeing that um, a big chunk of this microbiome can come from breast milk, can come from the mum's lungs and, and respiratory system, can come from the mum's skin, and 40% of it comes from somewhere else. You know, we're not even quite sure exactly where that comes from. So, you know, we've seen research suggesting that if we give antibiotics to a child, then it may well be that that microbiome that they inherit from their mother can never really be fully replaced in the form that it was there when they were born. And so it'll be interesting to follow this over the next five years and to see how that develops in these kids and and some of them obviously having had antibiotics, what happens to their microbiome over subsequent years? How much is that able to be replenished from other sources? And what impact does that have on those kids' health? I think that'll be really interesting as well. And so Obviously, this causes us to think more deeply about antibiotics and antibacterials in the first few years of our kids' lives, especially, you know, in this case, in the first 30 days of the kids' lives, but certainly these experts talking about the first three years of the child's life being a really important period. So obviously, any antibiotics given during that time can have a really big impact on the diversity of their gut microbiome. But also, we need to think about other antibacterials in our environment as well. We know that you know, we've been using a lot of hand sanitizer over the last few years. We know we've got chlorine in our water. It's just a couple of examples of things that may well be detrimentally affecting the microbiome of these infants and may well be then affecting their health later on in life as well. And then we saw the experts as well talking about having a broad diet and a broad diet, I think, particularly of first foods where you know, in modern times, we see often quite a, a small diversity of food given as first foods. You know, Often it is kind of wheat-based chewable products that we're giving to our babies as those first foods. Sometimes for a significant amount of time, it, it can be the only thing they're having supplementing either breast milk or formula. And whether how that's affecting their microbiome, whether maybe if we could introduce more real foods to those babies, a greater diversity of you know, meats and fruits and vegetables, nuts obviously really carefully, seeds really carefully, those sort of things, whether those whole real foods might encourage also 
a greater diversity of the microbiome in these bubs as well. So I guess the takeaway from this is that you really want to be guarding your bub's microbiome as best you can. You know, whether that be through conscious birthing choices, whether that be through consciously being careful with things like antibiotics and, and antibacterials, whether that be exposing your kids to the natural environment and, and to you, you know, your skin, your your breath, you know, your uh, your microbiome as much as possible to encourage that natural and broad development of their microbiome, which we know is really important for their health as they grow and develop. So you've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook and Instagram at This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.